My name is Scott Chaloner and you are listening to the Leaders Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. Now, as regular listeners of our show will know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. And to this end, I'm delighted to welcome Amy Nguyen onto today's programme. Amy is a strategist, researcher and writer focusing on the nexus between sustainable business, fashion, finance and technology. And through her own brand sustainable and social she works as a consultant for a variety of organizations um amy very warm welcome to you and thanks ever so much for joining us good morning scott thank you so much for having me and for that lovely introduction to yeah, it's absolutely fantastic and it's great for us to uh, to welcome you on to the show at a time where sustainability is uh, very much on the uh, the agenda on the show and indeed in the uh, the wider uh, business world as well. And something that's, uh, that's cropped up that you've also talked about um, in uh, previous publications as well is uh, the issue around sort of sustainability linked bonds and how they're being used in the, uh, in the fashion industry. So perhaps Amy, you could just uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, what SLBs actually are and sort of how they're being applied of course absolutely so i think first of all it's really important to frame what the fashion industry is doing at the moment it is trying to mitigate the worst of its environmental and social impact and a a increasingly popular tool to do so is through the use of sustainability linked finance now that may come in various different guises so whether that is green bonds sustainability bonds or sustainability linked bonds so they all are all slightly different um, and they are corporate debt tools so essentially for anyone that doesn't know a green bond is a corporate debt instrument um, which is then used to fund new or existing projects that are linked to uh, environmental climate efforts. So then a sustainability linked bond is not linked to a specific project, but will then finance the general functioning um, of an issuer and that has explicit sustainability targets. So for instance, uh, there are lots of brands which we'll dive into, Mm. uh, whether that's like H&M or the FA Corp uh, retailer. And what they will do is they will issue a sustainability linked bond and they'll have specific KPIs and whether that's environmental or social linked uh, linked to that bond. Yeah, it certainly makes sense uh, from my point of view. And when we think about sort of sustainability in terms of the wider fashion industry, where exactly is it going wrong right now on sustainability in the field? Where does it need to actually clean up its act as such? Gosh, well, that is a huge question. Mm. Uh, if we had if we had hours on the podcast, so I will try to summarise. In, in short, I think the fashion industry is often perceived as quite frivolous, you know, it's fairly female dominated, you know, they just think, oh, it's catwalks, it's runways, it's cute clothes in stores. But actually what people don't realise is the fashion industry and the textile industry are two of like the most polluted industries that we have, um, yet they are the most slightly regulated is so different if you think about agriculture or oil and mm. gas. Now, for sustainability, you know, if firstly, if we're going to look at environmental sustainability, there are huge, huge areas for improvement at the moment. So whether that is related to carbon emissions, especially across the fashion supply chain, uh, there's a huge, huge, huge problem with uh, micro microfibers and microplastic pollution as we know uh, 
there are chemical hazards as well across the supply chain, whether that's to do with the chemicals that are used to treat textiles or whether that's fabric dyes and what we like to say if you were to frame it in an economic sense is there's a huge negative externality so the cost of our clothes at the moment don't represent the true cost of making that garment on the environment or on the workers that make them because there are huge health hazards involved across um, the fashion value chain so those are the main environmental problems. I think also then in terms of sustainability and where it's going, like sustainability and why we need that so much to address the problems is related to overconsumption. We've seen historically over the last 50 years, the demise of the two season paradigm, which has always looked at autumn, winter, spring, summer. And now what we see is just constant newness every day, every week, thousands mm. of new lines are being added. So the amount of waste this is creating uh, is a huge, huge, huge problem. And going back to the environmental side of things and the carbon emissions across the supply chain is that fashion brands, you know, as we talk about with sustainability linked bonds or like their climate targets, it looks like they're doing a lot. It looks like they're really ambitious, but they're not delivering. And there's been lots of research that we've done at the Changing Markets Foundation, which actually shows that fashion brands are still increasing their emissions, especially their escape three emissions despite setting these really ambitious climate targets. And I think, you know, I just mentioned the challenges, but the huge opportunity uh, focusing on the positives is that we all wear clothes. It's a fantastic mm. access point uh, into smarter, responsible consumption. So that's where we are at, at the moment. But its environmental footprint is a real, real, real problem. It is, isn't it? And I suppose where we're seeing a little bit of progress on that side of things is a lot of sort of secondhand um, vendors coming into the market, playing things like Vinted, for example, because we're seeing people understanding that, you know, extending the lifespan of clothing in a sense and buying secondhand is better than going and buying new all the time and essentially encouraging this to, uh, to continue, isn't it? Just to go on a tangent for a moment. Yes, absolutely. I think the mindset shift is changing, you know, whether it's like the younger generation, like the Gen Zers, uh, whatever he says, um, focusing on thrifting. Uh, lots of people are looking at upcycling now. There is a plethora of platforms out there that are facilitating the use of secondhand, whether that is through rental, uh, whether that is through, you know, you know, eBay, you mentioned yourself vintage, whether that's the, the more luxury end back here yeah, collective. So there are options, but at the same time, whilst that's happening, mm. it's not really curbing the level of production that we're seeing in the fashion industry. It's not being paired with both. It's like we're seeing the rise of secondhand platforms, but we're also seeing an exponential rise in production. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind as well. Exactly right. And while all this is going on and we're seeing sort of little regulation in the uh, the finance industry, you know, these goals are there, but they're essentially not being met. When we think about sort of sustainability linked bonds as we started with, are they therefore at risk of essentially falling flat and being reduced to nothing more than really a greenwashing exercise? So that's a great question. And I think we shouldn't underestimate the positive impact that SLBs and sustainability bonds and all of these kind of finance projects can have in incentivizing executives uh, to really drive their environmental and their social performance. I would say that these KPIs definitely that are attributed to the bonds definitely have to be linked 
to the kind of right issues. So they need to be more holistic, not just like a, a routine tick box exercise, I think, which is often what people default to when they think about ESG and indicators and reporting on these matters, whether that's the fashion industry or any other uh, consumer facing industry. And at times, the KPIs linked to some of these bonds. The fashion industry could arguably be misplaced. While there's definitely a focus on like sustainable materials, I think lots of that sometimes need a nuance because you know it might focus on recycled materials such as recycled polyester. Now, actually, that's not going to be an instant panacea to fashion's textile problems. It's still made from synthetic fibers. It's still sheds. You know, it still sheds absolutely loads and loads of microplastic into mm. various different water sources. So we need to have a think about that. And it's also like they might incentivize the use of sustainable materials, say if it's like a recycled polyester and cotton blended garment. Right. That's probably better than using virgin, virgin synthetic fibers. However, do we have the recycling infrastructure to deconstruct all of those garments at scale? No, we don't. So will they still end up probably in landfill? Yes, they will. So it's just thinking about what fashion brands are incentivizing um, and also looking at, as I talked about, the levels of overproduction without having some sort of KPIs linked to reducing volume. Uh this chase of infinite growth is not consumer with climate target. It's mm-hmm. just not. And that is the absolute pinnacle thing that needs to be addressed because and there are so many brands in the research. I will encourage all the listeners to look at the fashion research published by the Trinity Markets Foundation. But it basically goes to show that fashion brands, yes, they are increasing their use of sustainable materials. They are setting climate targets, but they are still growing uh, and they don't plan on stopping. So it's, it's, it's very like a juxtaposition and misalignment. And then more broadly, if we think about ESG in the fashion industry, mm. it definitely doesn't add up and it's definitely open to greenwashing. This isn't something that's new. I think if you look at ESG ratings, there is definitely a mismatch between what a ratings provider might give based on its analysis and the practicalities of what they're actually delivering. So there's the famous case of Boohoo in 2020. Uh, they had a really good double uh, A rating on the mm. MSCI ESG index. However, that very same year, the, the Boohoo factory scandal in Leicester uh, came into fruition. And then even more recently, a great, great, great piece of investigative journalism published in The Times was a Times reporter actually went undercover for a month to work in a boohoo factory in 2022 and described the kind of, I don't want to say forced labour, but I want to say definitely unacceptable workers' rights that were taking place. It shows even two years later, there's still a lot that's going wrong and, you know, an ESG rating might still be fairly high. So all those things need to be accounted for. But then, you know, from the perspective of an analyst, who's not really that attuned to the nuances of the fashion industry or materials, they may have given it a good rating for what appears to be great to them. So lots to think about there when it comes to greenwashing of like ESG performance. 
Absolutely. And even for big brands like Boohoo, as we talked about there in that particular case study, there's an immense amount of risk if you're found to be greenwashing and then under the surface there's a lot of dirty dealing going on because it can essentially damage your reputation for quite a long time, if not permanently, can't it? Yes, definitely. I think it really harms your intangible assets, brand reputation being one of them, brand value, uh, brand association as well, what what people think of. uh, Unfortunately, fast fashion is not associated with positive things unless it is affordability, which which then is a good thing for people who can't necessarily access higher price point rates, and that is a benefit. Um, But I think there are lots of risks around greenwashing obviously the first being that it misleads shoppers uh it confuses them they might want to align their spending to their values but in practicality they're buying wrong because the labeling is wrong uh well well, that's changing now with like regulations that have been put forward in the eu textile strategy and the uk's competition markets authority's green claims code but there's a big risk around that and then another problem with greenwashing is that it will dwarf and diminish the impact that smaller and truly sustainable businesses will have because mm. they don't have these huge, they don't have these huge marketing budgets to, you know, SEO and plug in for like, oh, sustainable white cotton t-shirt. However, a H&M might do. So that's also something to consider, you know, in terms of resources. And there are so many different things now that brands really need to be careful of. Well, France has imposed a regulation that actually will find a company I think it's 80% of the campaign or advert if it sounds to be greenwashing and then they'll obviously have to remove it. And it's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort to backtrack and then create a new campaign that is aligned to um, regulation. So lots to think about there. Exactly right. And I suppose as well where you're thinking of businesses that are trying to become more sustainable they maybe aren't always aware of the embedded carbon that's in the supply line for their products, are they? We've talked about sort of earlier on on this program, sort of difficulties around uh, recycling sort of synthetic materials, for instance. So when we think about the industry supply chain, where can we see sort of unsustainable products or embedded carbon that business leaders really need to be aware of in the fashion sector? Okay, so really it is going to be to do with uh, CO3 emissions all across the supply chain. So it's not so much the direct in like the operated and owned facilities. Actually, you can see from lots of fashion brands reports that they've managed to pretty much like procure 100% renewable energy for their owned facilities. But it's when you get further into the supply chain, I'm not even talking like tier two, I'm talking tier three and tier four, uh, when it goes like raw material extraction and things like that, that it can be a bit harder. Um, so I have some stats here as well. I think uh, scope three emissions are the fashion industries, like takes up the largest proportion for the fashion industry mm-hmm. at around 90%. So that is the thing the executive and brands and sustainability teams need to be looking at is their supply chain emissions and what their suppliers are up to and incorporating that into their supply codes of conduct, collecting data and things like that. Another way, another area, I mean, as we've spoken about, is the dependency on synthetic materials, especially especially for fast fashion brands due to their cheap costs um, and the carbon associated with them because they're often derived from oil and gas uh, you know polyester is made from plastic so something to think about and the production of synthetic fibers 
according to the Changing Markets Foundation, actually accounts for 1.35% of global oil consumption. And that exceeds the annual oil consumption of Spain, so an entire mm. country. So that's why we shouldn't overlook the fashion industry. It's something really important to think about. And this is also a fiber group that is growing exponentially as well. So uh, that's one thing to think about. And on top of that, materials, supply chain, there needs to be a look at, I, this isn't included, but also like water footprint is something mm. that we need to think about as well, uh, whether that is related to cotton, whether that is related to the processes that are used to manufacture things like jeans. Uh, there's lots of things to think about there as well. Yeah, a huge amount that people may not necessarily be immediately aware of. And uh, there's a whole load of sort of uh, shortfalls on sustainability when we sort of really analyse the uh, the sector at large. But do you feel that a lot of it kind of boils back down to sort of what we discussed a little bit earlier on, that consumer mentality of always buying new, even though maybe we are seeing a little bit of progress in that sense? Yeah, I think there is definitely... A really scary throwaway culture that is taking place at the moment you know if you go i don't know if you're an avid youtuber but if you go on youtube there are hundreds of thousands of videos related to hauls where people will do fast fashion hauls and brag about all their cheap bargains and uh, we just had black friday mm. you know hyper hyper consumption a new level and we did some analysis and there were garments on there for 22p and going back to negative externalities, that is really scary. But some people love a bargain and they're just attracted to that and they will sacrifice the environmental social values that they could potentially have to get a bargain. So there's definitely a problem. Definitely it's uh, like catalyzed by social media and expectations about newness, new outfits, looking at what other people have. However, that being said, I don't think the owner should ever be placed entirely on the consumer. I think the private sector businesses have a huge responsibility. I think regulators, policymakers have a huge part to play as well. You know, fashion brands are feeding into this because they're chasing quarterly profits. They, you know, that's all they want to see. They want to see an improvement on their bottom line and not really thinking about their environmental uh, bottom line and all those things as well uh, so yeah lots to think about there and it's just a historic lack of regulation on the industry that just means that people can buy as much as they want industry can pollute as much as they want they've historically been allowed to greenwash as much as they want as well so I think then turning it more positively is whilst the industry shouldn't be placed on us fashion brands listen to what we have to say as customers and there's a lot that can be done whether that's writing um, and sharing your thoughts with brands on social media as well. Exactly right. Even though the whole owner shouldn't be placed on consumers, I think we do have a major part to play in sort of um, instigating that paradigm change, don't we? And then it's up to everybody else, of course, to be able to drive that forward. I think that's absolutely right. And certainly with regards to the lack of regulation in the industry, hopefully that is something we do see some sort of real progress and some real traction on because it is quite alarming just uh, the levels to which um, the industry has been allowed to get away with what it has been doing Uh, but I suppose some of the keys to sort of making some of these practices sort of less damaging to the environment are some of the future innovations we're going to see to try and reduce the footprint of the uh, the sector so where we think about where sort of capital is being channeled through sort of sustainability linked bonds for instance uh, what are some of the innovations that capital should be flowing into that is going to ultimately help fashion 
fashion become more green and more sustainable? Yeah, no, so that, this is a really exciting question. I think it's one of my favorite things to talk about mm. because it's really optimistic and, you know, from an economic perspective as well, it's fantastic. So, and there are lots of VCs now cropping up that are investing in lots of different areas. So firstly, a huge, huge thing is, you know, it's not just about reducing the carbon footprint, it's about keeping the value and these materials in a closed loop. So we're talking about circular fashion. So there is huge efforts investing in different areas of circular fashion. So whether that is recycling infrastructure and special machines that can be, you know, scaled to look at textiles, textile recycling, um, to help deconstruct materials so they can be spun again, um, looking at technologies to help then with sorting to make sure that materials go to the right place, that they can be reused um, or respun. Then also there's alternative textiles, so there's an exponential rise in the number of patents that are being issued at the moment to do with various different materials that say they might use fruit fibers, uh, you know, mushroom leather is a very high profile example used by the likes of um, uh, Adidas, uh, Lululemon. Uh, but so that is a huge one. And also to caveat that is alternative textiles that don't use plastic. So there's some work being done in that area as well, mm. because sometimes it might be fruit fiber, but mixed with 50% plastic material, which kind of nulls out the benefits. So that's something that's really exciting. I think for an industry with a very opaque supply chain, there's a lot of exciting work being done to enhance traceability and transparency, whether that's using uh, cloud, whether that's using like cloud technologies or blockchain. Uh, there's some great companies like Eon who have QR codes, QR codes and NFC tags to allow you to scan and then you can see the life cycle of your garment and that also then helps with like the recycling phase as well so things like that are fantastic and then there are some really great things going on in terms of processes so looking at you know denim like the creation of denim and jeans that uses less water so that's really fantastic especially when it comes to like dyeing um inventions to reduce microfiber shedding uh, and pollution at uh, Inditex and some of their partners have just come up with a new laundry detergent that hopes to decrease the volume of microfibers that have been shedded in our wash. So little things like that, all slightly super exciting. Um, and that's just from an environmental standpoint as well. I think we also need to think about the social side of things and the social side of things will improve if there is better supply chain traceability as well exactly right it's that transparency isn't it that's going to be so 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 important moving forwards and it is a really exciting time as we think about sort of how we can make the sector much more greener and some of the innovations that are sparking out and that's hopefully going to continue certainly over the course of the next 12 months and beyond despite you know some of the uh, the economic difficulties we find ourselves in and just before we sort of wrap up on the uh, the program amy i'd like to kind of get a bit of an idea as to what sort of your personal goals and milestones are going to be over the next year have you got any sort of big aims as you sort of help businesses go on this sustainable journey so i think one of my big things for next year is to i recently passed my esg certificate in invest 
testing um, for the CFA Institute. So I really want to leverage that along with the work I've done in support of sustainable supply chain management and corporate sustainability to be able to work with businesses to help them map the issues that are most financially material to them and help them create frameworks uh, and report and measure on their progress as well. Um, I think a little can go a long way. I definitely would like to focus on working with SMEs because, you know, SMEs and smaller businesses don't always have the huge resources to be working with global consulting firms mm. on their sustainability programs. So that's definitely something that I'd like to focus on. And also using my writing platform to talk about these issues and present the nuances. So, that it's thought-provoking. Exactly right. And there's been a lot of thought-provoking stuff that's come up on there this show today, absolutely. And I do hope that everybody listening in has thoroughly enjoyed hearing from uh, Amy Nguyen today. And uh, for anybody that does have uh, many questions or if uh, something we talked about does particularly resonate with you, you can leave a comment or a question with us. That'll be via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash contact hyphen us. And any questions, of course, directed to Amy will directly forward on to her. And um, if you did want to actually bring your own perspective to this um, to the discussion table on this issue or indeed any other topical matter or issue that you may be passionate about then just a reminder that you too can apply to be on our podcast and that would be via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply um for now amy thanks ever so much for taking the time to uh, to join us on the show it's been immensely thought-provoking and an immense pleasure for me welcoming you on and uh, it'd be great actually to be maybe even catch up at some point in the next year and have you back on the program just to see how some of those goals are starting to take shape that you've talked about mm-hmm. just now Thank you so much for having me, Scott. It's been a pleasure. And to any listeners, please feel free to reach out and ask any questions or share your thoughts as well on how we can improve the fashion industry. Absolutely right. Um, it's a big industry that needs improvements, as we've talked about. We've talked all about industries like the tech sector um, in previous episodes um, as well. So let's keep the sustainable conversation moving forwards, because if we're part of the conversation, we can certainly be part of the uh, the solution as well. Um, to everybody listening into the uh, the show today, I've been your host, as always, Scott Challoner, on today's Leaders Council podcast. And until next time, when we'll be back with a whole new perspective on current affairs and leadership, please do take care all and goodbye.